This is Leisha Holmes and I'm your host on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast brought to you by Hoxo Media and I am beyond excited today, a little bit in awe, which I know I'm not supposed to say, but I'm going to say that anyway. We are joined today by Professor Damien Hughes, who I approached having become a huge fan as he's the co-host on the incredible podcast, if you've not already listened to it, the High Performance Podcast, which he co-hosts with Jake Humphreys. Welcome to you today, Damien. How are you? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me, Alicia. I'm honoured to be asked to come on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. So thank you for, thanks for the invitation. In case you forget, we have got a poster behind me. So for those watching on YouTube, you know that, but those that listen in, it's just so I know what I'm doing as well, in case I forget. (laughs) I have, I mean, I've been a huge podcast fan for months and months and months. And for me, certainly since COVID began, it has been how I personally have kept myself motivated. It's how I've kept learning. I talk about- Oh, wow, thank you. Yeah, and, and and you've had the most incredible guests and I tell everybody, and I do often share it on my LinkedIn. So when oh, thank you. come on, I just think, you know, for those who aren't yet familiar with you and your podcast, do you want to give us an overview <laughs> of what you do, what, what your business does and, and why I've asked you to come on today? Yeah, cool. So um, uh, there's, the way I explain it is it's probably it's easier to explain it in three lenses. Uh, one of the uh, jobs I do is I'm a visiting professor at Manchester Met University looking at organizational psychology and change so what does that do it's basically how do you bring a team together create a high performing culture where people can um stay tight stay high performing even when they come under pressure that informs what my business does Leisha that I run a consultancy where I work with teams that look at how do you create high performing cultures so I do quite a lot in business but most of my work is in the world of elite sport working with coaches that do that and then the third job I do is um, I write books and I now co-host the uh, the High Performance Podcast where we sit down with people and just try and talk around how do you do what you do around these areas of culture and sustaining high performance and get them to explain it. Um, so they're the three jobs that I do really. Um, so hopefully that gives people a bit of an insight into my background. Definitely. And anyone that is listening and we call our audience aspiring leaders and those who are already leaders across the recruitment industry. And we are very proud that we have a global audience. It's about 60 percent UK. The rest is Pan Asia or Europe. So it's and it's growing every every single month. So because well I know how hard it is, Leisha, to, to sort of get, get cut through the noise when you do a podcast. So you've done phenomenally well. So congratulations. That's, that's down to the caliber of guests that I invite on. So and, and yourself included. So for anyone that's listening and wondering why I've asked Damien to come on, this is why, because as an industry, we are regarded as high performers. And when I'm speaking to my clients who are recruitment agency business owners across the UK and yeah. the Northwest, they seek the high elite. So the first question you ask any guest, and I am sorry if I'm being a little bit facetious asking you this question, but I'm going to ask it. All right. Go for it. The first question is, what is high performance? What is high performance? Yeah, you're right. So we always ask that question, first of all, because there is no definition of high performance. That's an important point to make that, you know, for somebody that might like take a really simple example, like the Olympics coming up in a couple of weeks that for um, some of the athletes, it might be winning a gold medal for somebody else. It might just be getting on that starting line is what their definition is. And that's why it's important to clarify it. I think um, over the course of this series we've done, we currently just recorded the, the six series of it. I think it's sort of challenged a lot of my preconceptions and I can sum up uh, high performance now in 13 words 
which is do the best you can with what you've got in the moment you're in. And what that means is, I think it's about that we all start from different places. So it's about in that moment that you're in with the resources that you have, just giving your absolute all to it. Now, you might look back on it in years to come and go, I could have done better. Yeah, but that's a different moment. Your knowledge you have then years later is different than what you had in that moment. So it's constantly about just in that time you're in, giving the best you've got and using the knowledge and the resources to the best advantage. And I know, and, and having listened to a number of your guests when you've sort of talked around that, and I, I love that definition, we're going to definitely take that and make that as the title. It then comes down to somebody's why, and the why is always going to be different and it should always be authentic. And this is what, I'm not saying it frustrates me, but yeah. I think it's important to contextualise what that actually looks like. And I'll often challenge my clients when they talk about high performance, because it does come yeah. down to why. Yeah, very much. So again, when we talk about motivation, that I sometimes uh, get asked by businesses and people go, oh, you're a motivational speaker. You go, no, don't be silly. I'm not motivating anybody because motivation is often one of these terms that people say, I can't motivate you. You can't motivate me. We, the only person, the etymology of it is, why do you do anything? Why did you set up this podcast? Why are we chatting today? You have to answer that question as an individual. And when you boil it down to its essence, Lisa, there's three reasons why you do anything. You do it through desperation, rationalization, or inspiration. So what do I mean by them? Well, when you hear people go, I've got to do this, or I've been told I've got to do this, they're doing it through desperation. They don't feel they've got much of a choice. So it's almost about it, they're doing it under sufferance. When you do it through rationalization, the language there is different. People go, I should do it really. It's probably where I'll get best paid. It's probably the best use of my time and resources. So it's almost like they're bringing their head to it, but they're not necessarily bringing their heart. Yet when you do things through inspiration, you go, I love doing this. I get to do this. This is brilliant. I really enjoy doing it. And that's where you're bringing both your head and your heart to it. And that's where they're all valid. They're all valid reasons, but the one that will sustain you through tough times, through difficult moments, through times when... Uh, despair sets in is always going to be when you do it through a, a sense of inspiration it's the, it's the natural flow isn't it that's it's really interesting you talk about that and maybe it would be useful for leaders who are listening to this thinking well how can we get people to well, how can we understand where people are within the, that triage is to actually write down the parts of the job where they feel that it's desperation yeah middle one and always be so like there'll be so motivation isn't like a one-size-fits-all thing so there might be things like filling in your spreadsheets where you do it through desperation i've got to do it yeah. but there might be other parts of your job of meeting a client where you go oh I'll get to do this so it's not that that you you're motivated to do one job and that's everything in yeah. your job there'll be different aspects of it that uh, that, uh, that give you uh, that you draw on different um modes and drivers of uh, motivation for but in terms of if we talk about it in context of high performance if we can get more people to do the bit where it's inspiring your their desire their motivation their their continual you know looking to develop themselves that's more likely to create their level of performance than someone that definitely so there's a there's 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 really interesting work on this by a psychologist called mihaly six cent mihaly right it's a difficult name to pronounce but it's a four-letter word that most people are familiar with which is flow Okay. When you do things because you really want to do it, you eventually find yourself in a state of flow where you're just doing it because you love doing it. It's about time passes and you don't even realise it because you're just immersed in the task. And I think 
for high performance to really occur, you need to find those moments of flow. What lights your fire? Uh, what lights your soul on fire? And and go and spend as much time in there as you possibly can. Definitely, I am a huge advocate of that, and I have been sort of. Uh, I went through a process about four years ago with the most incredible coach and company that that specialised in recruitment sector, Casey Green, and. Yeah. And that's exactly what they asked us to do with the process internally for all the leaders that went on it. What was the yeah. flow of, our, of ourselves as leaders, but also of our team? And it just oh, brilliant. Okay. It, and it does hold, it, you, you mentioned there a little bit earlier on about when, when the poo hits the van, which it did for most business leaders last year, but on a continual basis. So I think it's a really useful piece of advice. And, you know, for, the, for those leaders who are listening, I think it's just it's such an easy technique. To, to find out what your team, what makes your team flow individually and get them to do that. Well, I think, that, like, again, there's lots of different uh, metaphors out there on this, Alicia, but I think I often like the Jim, uh, Jim Collins talks about the hedgehog effect. So what drives your economic engine? What do you love doing? And what are you better at than anyone else? And when you find that sweet spot that in the middle of all of that stuff, that's where, where you're flying you know, both professionally and personally. And it is a combination, isn't it? Oh, thank you for that. I think that everybody will be jotting down as they're listening to this. And, you know, I think that's that's an absolute piece of gold, it really is. I mean, you, you've, between yourself and Jake, you have interviewed so many incredible leaders across all different industries and all different walks of life. You yeah. Know, and, you know, there's obviously retail and business, and it's been just amazing to listen to the feather of, you know, experience. Oh, and thank they all are. It, it is a, it's just such an enjoyable podcast, and I, and I find it, you know, because there are some out there that are quite patronising to listen to, and, and yours just isn't, which is why I approached you about it. And oh, I- well, thank you. That's really kind. Because it, because you'll know a, a bit like with the podcast, like like what you're doing. Sometimes, like you put it out there in the world, don't you? And it's like when it, it's like you give birth to a child, and yeah. then you, and, and, and 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 then you grow it, and then you send it out into the world, and it's almost like how people then receive it and interact with it is none of your business in many ways and often like you don't really know how people are listening to it or where they're listening to it so it's a real privilege when people like yourself are really kind to give that kind of feedback so thank you loads of loads of my listeners do listen to you as well oh i'm always listening to it up holcomb hill for anybody that walks oh nice oh well thanks for taking us with you and wave your boat down to manchester um I've got an interesting question for you, though. So those who are listening who are already leaders or aspiring leaders, do you think you are born a natural leader or is it something you can train yourself to become? Well, that's a really good question. Um, This is the nature-nurture debate, isn't it, uh, in short? And I think the answer is that there is no answer to that. I think we're all all like how much of us are, are born and how much of us are made. The answer is that nobody knows and anyone that gives you a definitive answer is a liar or they don't understand it is the yeah. essence. Yeah. So, so what I'd say is we, all, we have a certain level of traits that we're born with, the personality traits, um, and that's undeniable. But the point is that the vast majority of what of the way that we operate uh, in our adult lives is learned behaviour. Mm. So by definition, if you learn it, you can unlearn. Uh, some of those things as well. So the example I often use is, you know, grown-ups that will still have temper tantrums when they don't get their own way. Yeah. And the answer is, of course, we all do. Now, you say, so what they, they, they weren't born having temper, temper tantrums, but they've learned over time that if I shout for loud enough and long enough, eventually everyone gives me my own way. That's a learned behaviour. So as an adult, you do it, you have a tantrum, just in an adult version of it. 
And I think what that leads us to then is the fact that we do have certain natural traits, but we can learn to enhance them. We can learn to amplify them and make the best out of those traits to therefore have the biggest impact on other people mm. and, learn, um, uh, and become a leader. But I think there's certain aspects of us that even like when people talk about kids these days, I, like, like I know you've got children yourself, Leisha, and, uh, as I do. I think that one of the things that often irritates me is when people talk about, oh, kids are different these days. And you go, compared to when? Yeah. They go, 30 years ago. And you say, so you don't believe that society's changed in any other way than 30 years ago. So they just respond differently to conditions. But if people went and spoke about people based on race or, or their gender in the same way of, oh, women are different these days, you'd be, it'd be offensive mm-hmm. to do that. And I think the reason... I make this point is that I think that as human beings, we haven't evolved that fast and there's certain things that we all need to be led or we want to be part of something. And I think we want somebody that uh, demonstrates trust, behaves with authenticity, but we can all learn to do that. You want somebody that creates a sense of belonging. We can all learn to do that. And you want somebody that that gives us an element of control, which we can all learn to do. So, I think we can amplify our qualities that we're born with, our characteristics, but the vast majority of it, we can learn if we've got a disposition and an open mind to do it. It's, an, it's a very interesting debate. And within specifically recruitment, just to sort of bring it yeah. back to my audience, this is down to those high performers. So in recruitment, obviously you get those who are, who are top billers, you know, they, all they do is recruit all day and they often yeah. get pushed into these leadership roles whereas actually they should just be left to make the money and be the cash cow and they actually tend to make pretty poor leaders because they're not very altruistic they're not you know they are people that can create trust and they create belonging yeah. they're, they're in it for themselves ultimately and I often encourage leaders to maybe look away maybe it won't be your top biller but it'll be somebody who has got those natural leadership qualities that you can then amplify I love that word so it's that's why I've asked that question because it's something that oh, I right. But, yeah. yeah, I think it's a Peter principle, isn't it? Often you get promoted to your level of incompetence. Like I, like I, I can really empathise with this. That I did a corporate job years ago, and uh, I got promoted to my level of incompetence. Where I like I love working uh, with teams and creating these high performing cultures I describe about, and sort of then getting in the nuts and bolts with it. And uh, I got promoted to a director level, which involves sitting meetings all day. <laughs> now I'm not somebody you should put in a meeting for very long. Like I get bored, I get restless, and, and you start flicking with your pen and things. No, what I did was I ended up true story. I ended up writing a book in uh, my meetings. <laughs> I just sat and wrote. But where it like where it dawned on me was the last job I had in the corporate world uh, when I was employed in it was uh, out in South Africa, right? And I was in Durban, and this will give you an idea of when we talk about passion and sort of a sense of purpose, we were, we, we were sat in this boardroom and it overlooked the Indian Ocean, right? And it was beautiful outside. And I remember sat there thinking, I'd give anything to be out there now. And we were talking about margarine sales in the region, right? And the sales had dipped. And I remember sat there thinking, there's not one ounce of me cares. I don't care. I don't care that the sales have dipped. I'm, I'm not bothered. And I watched this conversation go around the table and it was like creeping death. And I watched all my colleagues looking really upset and crestfallen. And I remember as it came to me, I remember thinking, should I just say, I couldn't give a shit, I'm not bothered. And to my shame, I didn't. I faked being upset like everyone else did. 
And I was that ashamed of myself that night. I went home, I had my flat out in Durban and I went back to my flat and I thought, I can't do this for another 30 years. I'm not, I'm not prepared to be a fraud of pretending to care about stuff that I don't. And that was the day that I always say mentally I resigned. I, it took me a while. It took me another 12 months to pluck up the courage to physically follow through. But yeah, we've got to aim to find those moments where we're living a life in congruence, in, in flow. And I think that, you know, from my point of view, obviously I'm on the receiving end of plenty of people who have maybe gone through that, you know, and I love the pun there, margarine and the sales dip, sorry. I just chuckled at my own joke. <laughs> um, where, they've, where they've proverbially sat around a table or maybe not, they've been sat at home and they're failing, you know, feeling a bit disconnected from that world. And I just, I'm just a huge believer that, you know, you've got to find what, you, what you're good at. And if you are somebody that's been maybe forced into a leadership role, maybe we, we, we question that because I get plenty, I think the main people, the main reason people leave jobs is because they have a leader that isn't a natural leader. That's really generally why they tend to leave. It's really interesting you say that. Like one of the guys we interviewed on the podcast was James Timpson. So he runs like the Timpson, the shoe repair shop and the key cutting business. And they do all these employee engagement surveys and things like that. And he said, do you know what? He said, the, the only question that really counts on that survey is how do you get on with your boss? Yeah. Because he said they won't leave the business, but they'll leave a boss. Yeah. And that's the point that if you're working for somebody that shouldn't be doing that job, that that like the ripple effect, the collateral damage from it massive. is massive. People don't leave companies, they leave leaders. That's the truth. Absolutely. Like, yeah, you're right. 23 years in recruitment, that is categorically, especially now we're in this bounce, which is, you know, no one would have predicted it. it's not even a bounce it's like you know we've gone to space never mind richard bronson elon musk we are in space with the needs of of companies it's amazing as an industry how we've recovered and that companies that had to pause everything last year are now having to retrospectively cover all the recruitment that was needed and now also focus on growth for the next however many years 10 years it's an, it's an amazing time to be a recruiter and to those leaders that are sort of listening in you know hold on to your seats, but it's really important that we ask the next question, which is around mindset, which I know is something that um, Liquid Thinker really focuses on because I've had some very open, honest conversations with my clients over the last 18 months because I was one of the first yeah. people to share vulnerability and you know it was pretty scary being a business owner. Well, it doesn't matter what size your business is, there's three of us, but it was a very daunting place. And I think that the sort of the environment has changed. Now people are a lot more open around that. And, and people openly admitted to having you know, a mindset that was a little bit sort of more focused on, you know, worry and stress and, and hopefully yeah. people are kind of coming through the other side. But for those who maybe haven't yet recovered their mindset, have you got any sort of top tips around how to convert your mindset back or what you can do to protect it to ensure it's a winning open mindset rather than a fixed one? We interrupt this episode of the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast to bring you a message from our wonderful sponsors over at Hoxo Media. Now, recruitment agencies invest heavily in LinkedIn licenses because ultimately it's where we're all at. Given that we spend an average one to two hours a day on our phones, the rest of the time is spent scrolling through LinkedIn, looking for unicorn candidates and target clients. Now, if we look at the recruitment training programs that are available, they tend to be focused around outbound phone sales and leadership skills. So how do you, our listener, maximize the huge investment of time and money that is spent on LinkedIn? Well, this is where Hoxo Media is solving this problem for hundreds of recruitment agencies. And we want to share this message with you. 
Their academy program allows recruiters across the globe being coached in how to optimize their LinkedIn profile, creating daily habits for building out that unbelievable audience, that target audience, where they're producing their own valuable content that engages the right people and ultimately drives content into inbound sales conversations. As I mentioned, they're working with hundreds of recruitment agencies and there are over 300 recruiters every month enrolling on the academy, which enables them to increase their knowledge in how to basically develop the best content and maximize the results from LinkedIn. And to be honest with you, the testimonies have been absolutely incredible. So by enrolling in the academy with just one single payment, you can train your entire business for 12 months, which is why I'm so excited to share this message with you, our listener. So if you're a traditional recruiter like me, and you're an owner of a business, or you've got teams working for you who rely on outbound calls to attract clients and candidates, then really you do need to listen to this message and get in touch. You might find that you are using LinkedIn, but perhaps just for sharing jobs on there, and you struggle generally for um, original content ideas, and ultimately the confidence to actually know what is going to be good content for driving that inbound business. So I would love you to speak to Hoxo Media. Drop me a DM, either on the link on this message on this episode, or send me a WhatsApp, and I can give you more information on how your agency can benefit from joining this programme. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Yeah, so there's a few questions, Alicia, that uh, uh, contained within that. So if I take them in turn, the first thing, in ter- the, what I would say to anybody that may be struggling or having a bit of a tough time is, just be kind to yourself. And I know that kindness sounds a bit twee and maybe it's not the kind of language that you use normally, but just learn to be kind to yourself. You know what? We all have tough times. We all get put on our ass. We all have moments where we're not sure we can take the next step. And I think when you're kind to yourself, it then gives you eventually the capacity to be kind to other people as well. You know, um, so I think that has to be such an important first step for anybody here because, again, it gives you permission to say, I'm struggling a bit here. You know, I'm not finding this particularly easy. So, yeah, and and, and I say that having ignored that advice myself for so long. I remember, I, remember um, I got seriously ill a number of years ago where I wasn't kind to myself. I pushed myself beyond my physical limits in terms of... Uh, I had all the warning signs. I was getting poorly. I was getting run down. I wasn't uh, shaking it off. And I had this internal narrative that was like, just get on with it. Stop whinging. Don't moan. Just man up. That ridiculous phrase. And I ended up uh, contracting meningitis. And when I was in the hospital, the doctor had said, he said, listen, you're just unlucky, but you were run down enough. You were going to get an illness. You just got meningitis. And that sort of resonated with me, but where it sort of came to a head was when I became a dad, I remember somebody asking me, how would you feel if somebody spoke to your son in the way that you speak to yourself? Yeah. And the thought horrified me. Mm-hmm. And I thought, geez, I'd kill anyone if they ever spoke to my son in the way that I've been doing to myself for years. And then I thought, I've got to start role modeling better behaviors, which is about kindness being a non-negotiable in many ways. So that's where I would start from there because what that then allows you to do is when you're kind, you then open yourself up to influences that are to other people that can maybe help you. And that goes into the second half of your question, which was about how do you have an, an open mind? Well, first of all, you have to be open for feedback. You have to be open to, to the right feedback from the right people. 
Yeah. But people can only do that when they feel that you that you're going to listen, or yeah. when you go and ask for it and you seek it out, rather than feel that they are in, it's incumbent on them to give it to you so to really uh not sit they sound simple not necessarily simple to implement is start by being kind to yourself giving yourself a bit of credit and then secondly that then gives you the the opportunity to open up and go and ask for feedback from people that count well there's a couple of couple of replies there thank you so much for that first and foremost anyone that knows me on a personal level my family motto is be kind and when i get nice yeah, and I when I got asked, we've actually got it all over on you know the light bulb boxes you have. We've got it all around the house and on boards everywhere. I've even got it on my WhatsApp. That's my status. Be kind. Have you? Brilliant. That's nice. Yeah. Well, I, I sort of like. I found it really interesting that like, when we first started the podcast, um, I I I've removed myself. I stepped. I took several steps backwards from the world of social media and promoting it. And part of it was because that kind of toxicity that very first time we announced we were doing the podcast the first the first comment underneath it was like i won't use the actual word but it was a c-bomb they dropped the c-bomb on us and said and i looked at it and i thought i thought who said that like did they know me and i looked at them yeah and it was my mum but no no it wasn't it wasn't but like so i looked at them and i never i didn't know the person they didn't follow me or anything like that but they'd chosen to do it and i remember sort of like thinking why would you do that? Yeah. And then yeah. I spoke to my wife and my wife said to me, you've got two choices. You either mm-hmm. toughen up and accept it as part of the mm-hmm. part of the game or you remove yourself from the conversation. And I went, you know what, I would have removed myself from the conversation. Oh, no. like, when I, I was growing up. I, before... I get any keyboard warriors, anyone will vouch for this. I literally delete and block. I don't get engaged in them, with them at all. But going back to the kindness thing, I think... I've never had so many goosebumps because I had it on the Mary Porter's interview that you did. And I, as I was on that oh, interview, nice. oh, her, well, her kindness culture, I bought her book. I bought the book, I can't remember the other book, this from, and I was literally there on Amazon Books, like buying Oh, was books. you? Oh, brilliant. Because, because actually I do think that, that I think that we've, we've changed in terms of what we want to surround ourselves with. And that this is the message, isn't it? That, you know, we can still be very profitable businesses and successful business people and high performing leaders and high performing recruiters in, in my world. But actually being kind, it starts with being kind to yourself because then it all goes from there. So I just, I love your advice, Damien. It's absolutely, it resonates so well with what my value Oh, nice. Thank you. So thank you for that. And I think if more people were kind to themselves, they could then be kind to other people too. And that's where it all starts. So hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. It, it goes in that order. Start by being kind to yourself, and then really, really, that, you've got the capacity to do it to for others. It really resonates. Now, when you when we were off camera and you're asking me where I was, I'm at home. I, th- I don't know if you're at home. So, so where, where are we going to be working? Because I know that that's one of the things that your consultancy focuses on. It's it's all around sort of working culture. So we're in a hybrid yeah. hybrid. You know, working from home, working from the office. Where, yeah. What what's the world of work going to look like? Do you think? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think. Um, a, an answer to that, I'd, I'd sort of uh, paraphrase what Jeff Bezos from Amazon says. He says, when people say what's going to be different in the next 10 years, he says, what's more helpful to ask is what's going to be the same? Okay. What's not What's not going to be different? Mm-hmm. And I think when we start thinking of this hybrid world and what we, and how the ripple effects of post-pandemic are going to play out, I think rather than worry about what's going to be different, what's going to be the same. And what we know is there's three things that all human beings need. If you're going to feel that you can perform at your best, there's three things. The first thing is you need a sense of, um, of autonomy. 
And what that means is you need to be given control to work where you work best. Okay. So give people that trust that where you work best and then we just trust that you'll get on with it. So give them a sense of control. So the easiest way to show how control plays out is when you think about going around um, like a casino, go and watch people blow on the dice before they roll the dice on a, uh, in, in, in a game. Now the question is, what difference does your breath make on the number that dice is going to land on? And the answer is, well, none at all. But it's the illusion of control. It's the sense that you feel that you control it by blowing on it or choosing your lottery numbers on a, on a Saturday night when you play the National Lottery. It makes no odds, but it basically gives you a sense of control. So giving people that kind of autonomy to control where they work, when they work best, is going to be key. Another thing that you're going to have is creating a sense of value for them. So giving people a sense that they get to do what they're good at and you get to acknowledge what they're good at and you get to just check in with them. Another thing is going to be um, then giving them a sense of belonging. It doesn't matter whether we're working remotely. One of the biggest predictors of mental health issues, such as depression, is when we feel isolated from a group and we don't feel that we're part of something that's bigger than us. So that's not going out of fashion, however we choose to work in the next 10 years. We're not going to evolve that fast. So control or autonomy a sense of belonging and a sense of value are going to be consistent bedfellows for uh, for all of us. Amazing, amazing advice. Honestly, this is just absolute, you know, an essential podcast for anyone that's thinking about their business, where you're at now and where you want to get to. So my final question to you is, Go on. in terms of my world, again, it's all about what we do is we attract and we retain the top talent for our clients. Yeah but also for ourselves as business owners. So what would your top tips be in terms of engaging with top talent out there, both internally, but also externally? What would your top top advice be? Uh, I did, I did, I'm I'm hesitating in answering it because um, what I was going to say is I I, I did some research for a book many years ago where I went around um, sort of elite environments looking at how do you engage elite performers so they can perform at the best so i went around some of like the world's best sporting uh, environments and meeting the coaches with it and what i found Lisa, was there was five things that were consistently present when it happened and i use a really simple acronym called steps okay. so uh, and and the reason i do that is it, I, I anyone listening to this it's almost like a bit of a mental shopping list that you go ah oh, right I, there's five things and i can remember it's steps first thing is you need to have uh, a sense of simplicity to it you need to have a purpose that everyone can align behind you can't be great at 10 things but you can be great at one thing so yeah. it's about what so th- th- that simple sense of purpose the t bit is you need to create an environment where people can think for themselves okay. so that relates to uh, psychological safety the work of, Edmi- of amy edmondson that says you can you can cock up you can make mistakes yeah. but that's where the thinking happens where you learn for yourself the E part is emotional intelligence. You need to have an environment where what we've spoke about earlier, kindness dominates, where people treat you with respect and courtesy and all those factors. The P bit is it's got to be practical. It's got to mean something. Yeah. You've got to have something tangible to show for it. And then the final one is stories. You've got to have a powerful story that people can coalesce and, yeah. and identify. So when you get those five things right, what I what I discovered in my research is top top talent then 
feel the need to want to stay with you because you're addressing all of those needs. Oh my gosh, what a way to end with um, Damien's five steps. So anyone that isn't right, jotting that down now and thinking about how, what they can do to ensure that. I love it. This has just been unbelievable. And I'm sure I've got about a million more questions, but I'm- Oh no, thank you. Thank you for the invite. And thank you for joining us. And, you know, fellow Mancunian, I think you are an incredible, incredible man. And, you know, we really appreciate taking time. And for anyone that hasn't yet listened to the High Performance Podcast, you absolutely have to subscribe. You need to listen. I promise you it will be worth your time. You'll learn so much from every single episode. The value that you bring is incredible. But also as a business as well, people might want to connect to you and get you into their businesses. So we might see you in the recruitment industry. You never know. Oh, well, to listen, I know that there's a lot of people under pressure, a lot of people sort of doing the best they can with what they've got in the moment they're in. So hopefully this helps, Leisha, but if the High Performance Podcast can or if anyone's got any questions that they want to follow up on, they're more than welcome to get in touch and I'll have Very kind of you to join us today. Thank you so much for joining us today, Damien. Really appreciate it. No, I've loved it. Thank you.